You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Today on the Run the Riot podcast, we've got Alex Larson. How's it going, Alex? Oh, it's so great. I'm so excited to be here today and, and chat. Yeah, glad to have you. Uh, like we said off air, you and I tried to tried to get together for the podcast a, a while back and we couldn't connect, uh, you know, busy lives. And uh, I've got kids running around. It sounds like you've got kids running around. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is like my mom time to to do something for mom and just have the kids off with their dad doing something else. So pray for dad. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, you know, um, I have, uh, you know, lots of fun questions to ask, uh, lots of things. I get asked a lot as an ultra running coach and, um, you know, about, about nutrition and everything. And, you know, um, sometimes we have the answers, sometimes we don't. And so, um, you know, let's, let's start off with a little bit of your background. Um, you know, who, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so my background is I'm a registered dietitian. I've yep. been, um, a dietitian since 2010. Um, so it's been a while. And when I started out as a baby dietitian, I had no aspirations to be in like sports nutrition whatsoever. I thought I was going to end up working in a hospital because that's what my parents did. Um, but I ended up kind of going the non-traditional route, um, with being a dietitian. Um, and while I was starting my career, I also really got into just triathlon and just being really active and, swimming, running, biking. And as I kind of progressed as an athlete and I'm, and I'm like a pretty mediocre athlete, like I'm not an all-star, like super fast and like Excel, you know, in particular, but I just really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed yeah. the social aspect of it. And so then uh, next thing I know, I'm signing up for Ironman Wisconsin in 2014, or well, I guess 2013 for 2014 uh, for the race. And um, you know, big undertaking, huge amount of like planning and training and nutrition that goes into that. Mm. And then I remember very vividly on the day of the race when I crossed the finish line thinking, oh my gosh, if I didn't know what I was doing with my nutrition, like this day could have gone south mm. really quickly. And that was where I started. That kind of started the whole thing where I started to feel like, oh, I think this is my calling. I think I need to help my people. Like the yeah. farther that they want to go, the more I'm like, heck yeah, let's like fuel you for that kind of fun, you know, long distance, all day event kind of thing. And um, so I started Alex Larson Nutrition um, down the road after um, becoming a mom and starting a family. And it was always my dream to, you know, have this business where I'm doing what I'm passionate about and then have the flexibility of being a mom as well. So that's what kind of started the whole thing. And so now, you know, for the past I'd say four years. Well, I guess 2021 is when I went full-time in my business. And so we okay. work with triathletes, runners, ultra runners, cyclists. Um, and I have a team now of dietitians and we absolutely love our job. We're obsessed with it. Like we feel like this is uh, for my team and I, like this is the best, this is the best of how it gets in your, in our career as a dietitian. Oh man. I, I love that when you can you know, piece those things together. And, you know, since I started coaching a few years back, you know, you're, you're doing the same thing. You're helping people achieve their goals, you know, push further and do something they couldn't do before, you know, and you're, you're, you're helping with that piece of it. And, uh, that's, that's cool. That's so fulfilling. 
Yeah. And I'll say like my favorite type of athlete to work with are the, like, not the pro athletes, like the athletes that just like, this is their passion. This is what they love to do. They work full time. They've got families. They're trying to navigate it all. Like those are my people. Cause that's what yeah. I'm like trying to figure out myself is like, you know, I just yeah. had a baby five months ago and now I'm like, okay, I got to get back into running and find that mom time to get away and just do something for myself and feel good and feel fit. Like I get it. So like, those are my, those are personally my favorite people to work with. Oh, I love that. I relate a hundred percent, you know, just I'm, I'm a dad, I'm a, you know, I'm a husband and dad mm-hmm. and have, have to, to juggle all the things, you know, and, and trains. So, uh, it's, it's fun. It's fun to, you know, if I can navigate it, other people can too. And so, Absolutely. uh, that relatability is there. I did see, I looked at your website and I think, so for everybody listening, I, I discovered you, uh, on TikTok. Um, <laughs> you know, I guess when you go on TikTok, the, the, the algorithms put you with, you know, other endurance athletes and stuff. And, and I, I go check out our TikTok. I'll put it in the show notes. It's pretty funny that the things that you put on there, uh, uh, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I will fully admit, I don't spend as much time on TikTok anymore as I used to, because I, um, I found myself spending way too much time scrolling. Uh, whereas I spend probably, I stay a little more current on Instagram, um, okay. cause I have a little more self-control there, but yeah, TikTok, I was like, Oh my God, I get sucked into this app so much. And so, um, I had to like remove it from my phone screen, um, but I do sometimes go back on TikTok and I'll upload some, some new videos, but yeah, but- I like social media is totally my jam. I like to make nutrition fun and yeah. funny and especially cause there's really some funny things about endurance athletes and nutrition that just crack me up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's, that's what caught my, that's what drew me to it because it was funny. You were taking, you know, all the things we struggle with and the things we joke about in the extremes and you were just making, making jokes about it, you know, and it, I thought it was good. It was, it was yeah, fun. Pooping in the woods is definitely yes. like always, always a hit. Like, yeah. you know, that bean burrito you had the night before and then head out on the trails, like it's not going to go over so well. So yeah, I, I, that's my, those are my favorite to make cause they're just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, people relate to it and we all have, the, we all have the issues, you know, <laughs> we've we, all been there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so let's get into, you know, uh, you've been, you've been doing this. Um, and, and, and what's funny is, uh, what I like to ask when I'm talking to people who, um, you know, when I'm hearing their story, when they've done their first ultra marathon or first, you know, uh, whatever long distance event for you would be your first Ironman. And what I heard, it sounds like, you nailed your nutrition or are, are, are pretty close to it. Are you were satisfied with how well your nutrition played out for your first Ironman? I was. And, you know, back in 2014 with what we knew about endurance nutrition, it was mm-hmm. pretty adequate. Um, but then now where we're at, you know, 10 years later, I look back on it and I'm like, oh, crap, I was under fueled. Like there's actually a lot more fueling that I could have done. And I'm like, Dang yeah. it. like I now kind of want to sign up for another Ironman here and like do this, you know, even better. And that's like the evolution of nutrition, though. Like we're always learning. We're always finding like better ways to fuel. And I do feel like we're starting to pull ourselves out of that like diet culture mentality more. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're starting to say like, no, let's really like embrace carbs or and like really fuel more and not be afraid of the sugar. And um, we're seeing, you know, athletes really flourish in those longer distances. Now, you know, we're seeing um, bigger PRs. And I think that's very fun from my aspect, because um, you feel better too. You know what I mean? Like they're those, your training runs are more enjoyable as well, because you're, you're supplying your body with what it needs. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to confess uh, because I've been dealing with some sinus stuff this morning. So I went on a run and I, I ran two hours and I brought zero water, zero electrolytes and zero fuel. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> so, so, so I, I thought it was hilarious. I was thinking through this podcast and I was like, I just totally, and, and I wouldn't tell, I would coach my runners not to do that, you know, but yeah, I just, right? <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, we, we do things. Um, but you were talking about the evolution of, of, um, you know, how things have changed and, and, and I might be misquoting it and I don't know if you heard, but, um, one of, uh, one of the, uh, world-class marathoners is consuming like 120 carbs grams of carbs per hour yes that's, that that's a lot <laughs> that is a lot yes yeah, so that's what's really interesting about what we're seeing with athletes fueling now so i mean the typical recommendation you know i've got all these textbooks behind me in my office here it's like 60 to 90 grams of carbon hour is typically like the sweet spot right um yeah. and also coming from like multiple sources of like different sugar, you know, like that glucose fructose yep. uh, ratio, um, like a two to one, like there's some that say like one to 0.8, something like that. Um, that really is the like best, like rate of absorbability in the body. Yeah. Um, but we're starting to see like athletes being able to train their gut to take in way beyond that 90 grams. And so, yeah, this 120 is coming out with, um, a bigger trend with some of the higher level athletes who are just like a machine in terms yeah. of like their gut handles it really well. Um, they're taking in that fuel and using it to just power through and see like really great performances. So um, the cyclists I've seen that trend definitely going up with the one, the one twenty grams per hour and then the ultra runners too, because you know, with like ultra runners, you're not going like full out all the yeah. time. So right. you're, your heart rate's a little bit lower. Um, your gut's going to be moving a little bit uh, better than if you're like a really high VO2 max like effort. Um, so yeah, you can tolerate higher levels. And you know, with ultra ultra runners, I love you guys because you guys can tolerate all sorts of different foods. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, at any point, like you're like any calories a good calorie with you guys because you'll be out there eating. I had one ultra runner that would send me. Um, he'd send me selfies during his race of him eating like pizza out on the trails. And I'm like, you, you're the best. That just like, just warms my heart. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, like I, I love that we're pushing the envelope with, you know, a higher rate of carbs an hour. Um, I think that, I think as long as your gut tolerates it, I say, go for it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's one of those things where um, I guess I'll let you speak to the importance of, of training your gut, because if somebody just goes out right now and they're, they're not used to it and I'm going to consume, I got a three hour run, I'm going to do 120 <laughs> parts per, yeah. per hour. Uh, I think they might end up in the bathroom or something quite a bit. Yeah. They're not going to be feeling too good. And that's, yeah. that's one of the issues is like, if you're you know, take an athlete that you know, maybe they're used to only taking like 40, 50 grams of carbon hour. And then they hear like that. So-and-so that does really well, takes this much higher. So they go out on this run and they, they try and up it so quickly. Mm -hmm. Their stomach is going to be like, uh, no, this is, yeah. no, we can't do this. Yeah. Um, and so then you're like, well, I can't, I can't, I could never consume that amount. I've tried it once and it didn't work. Well, you have mm -hmm. to really gradually, it's a progressive process to work your way up to that that number and that's why using your training as uh practice yeah. and um consistently 
fueling during your runs, not going for a two hour run on a Saturday and (laughs) not taking any fuel or fluids or electrolytes, you know, you have to be consistent and do your homework so that when you get to race day, because that's another thing, you see some athletes that don't fuel at all during training and then they go to their race and they're loaded full in their vest with all sorts of fuels and then their stomach goes south, you know, halfway through the race. So that's something too. It's like you have to practice it consistently. So then you get to race day and there's nothing new. Your stomach and your body is like, this is just another run and we're Mm -hmm. doing what we usually do and everything's going to sit really well for you. Nice. Well, when you did your, your first, uh, when you did that Ironman, uh, what did you just curious, what kind of fueling did you do? Yeah. So back then, um, there wasn't as many products as are available now, which, um, I love all of the fuel products that are out nowadays. Like I just nerd out on all of them. I have like a whole bin in my office of just sports fuel and like, because we are always trying and reviewing stuff. Yeah. Um, so back then, um, Honey Stinger was still pretty new, but I really liked their energy chews a lot. Um, mm. I preferred those over like the shot blocks or the clip blocks because they just went down. Like it didn't, it felt like a workout to like chew through those like shot blocks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. so the Honey Stinger chews were a favorite and the waffles. Um, and then I liked having something in my in a bottle, but at that point there really wasn't hydration mixes. Mm. Um, they weren't super popular. Like Heed was one, and that tasted terrible to me. So yeah. like I just I would can't use a little yeah. bit of Gatorade in yeah. my bottle. I think back then, but nowadays mm. when I'm running or on the bike, um, and I need or like if I'm out on the trail, um, I like Scratch Labs or mm. like a Tailwind or something like that. Those are usually my two go tos. But there's yeah so many options now that I, I really like having a hydration mix in my bottle and then supplementing with gels or chews or um, if I need something salty. Um, another one of my favorite things to do is uh, soft boiled potatoes. So I'll boil mm-hmm. like take like some um, like baby Yukon gold potatoes and I'll boil them in like really salty water and then just let them like uh, cool on the counter and then I'll take those out and just eat them. There's no wrapper. They're like for people that need gluten-free, they're naturally gluten-free. There's, yeah. you know, I tried to get as much salt in it as possible. Plus it's got some potassium. Like it's just a nice, like steady carb source um, mm-hmm. to go with like the sugary stuff too. So you get a little different flavor profile. So those are like my go-to things back in the day. But now that we have more products, um, I like a, a good hydration mix too. Cause then you get, a good dose of uh, salt in there. Yeah. Uh, and, and like scratch, scratch has that, that super fuel now that's, you know, yeah, the high carbon we're, yeah. uh, we're, a, we're a big fan of that. Yeah. It's, Cause you can get, you know, in a 500 milliliter bottle, get, you know, 400 calories to sip on, you know, while yes. you're, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. Or like, um, Morton makes their 320 mix. Um, that's yep. a good one too. That one just doesn't have enough salt in it. Um, okay. Whereas the scratch one will have, uh, higher salts content. Yeah. And, I, and that's, that's the other thing, you know, telling, telling a lot of like the athletes I coach, like be looking at that. And, uh, you know, do you, do you advise people to do like a sweat test or anything like that? So, yeah, we do have our athletes do quite a bit of sweat testing, um, just to get an idea of what their sweat rate is, like how much fluids they're losing so that yeah. we can make sure they're staying, you know, safe, uh, especially during the summer months in their training. Yeah. Um, and we can practice uh, 
taking in that volume of fluids that they need like hour after hour in their workouts. So again, yeah. they go to race day and you're like, Oh, I need to drink all this water to stay hydrated, but your body's not used to it. And then you like feel kind of uncomfortable with that sloshiness. Yep. Whereas if you've again, adapted your body to tolerating that, um, nothing feels weird on race day. So, um, yeah. we'll get a good idea of a sweat rate, just doing a simple like way, Weigh in before, weigh in after, measuring, like drinking a measured amount of fluids during your workout so then we can calculate uh, what your sweat loss is. Um, if we're suspecting there's like a, they're a really salty sweater and they're having some struggles with cramping and that type of thing, then we might have them do like, a, I don't know if it's called Lavellin or Levelin. Um, it's like a patch mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that they put on their themselves and then they workout and then they send that in and it gives us a whole rundown of the electrolytes lost. And then we get a really good idea of what we need to be doing with electrolytes. Um, Cause we, we can get kind of close um, just in estimating, you know, with their fluid losses mm-hmm. and what's the typical, you know, uh, sweat loss, you know, electrolyte loss r- range. Um, but if we're, if they're a really heavy, salty sweater, then we're like, yeah, let's, Let's get this dialed in because I think the highest we've seen, um, I had one that was 2,200 milligrams of sodium an hour they were losing. And this was like a very petite woman. And then we had one male, we had one male cyclist last year that was working with Hannah. He was losing 3,500 milligrams of sodium an hour, like just massive amounts. So, I mean, it was a huge challenge for us to try and find ways to like preload him with salt and then um, every hour trying to get in somewhere close to that so that he wasn't. Um, having issues, you know, towards the end of his longer rides. It's pouring salt in his, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It is wild is wild. So, um, yeah, those are the types of things we nerd out on and we we just, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, trying to find that, you know, cause there, there's some, a lot of similarities and there's, you know, in most cases, there's not a lot of variability, like in, in sweat content, you know, uh, and, but the, the, there are the extremes that, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some people that just release a lot. Of, they release a lot of salt in their sweat. And then there's other people that they're very, you know, normal or minimal salty sweaters. So, um, yeah, it's funny how everyone's different. So we really tr- try to treat everyone as their own individual and, yeah. you know, personalize that advice to them. Yeah. Well, you know, we have, we have all these, these mixes and these different, um, products that we can use and they're, they're super helpful. And so I, I, I like the technology. I like, you know, the, 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 the advance in all these things, but I mm-hmm. also like to try to do things as, as natural as possible. And so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's a lot of times I'm mixing up, uh, different juices, figuring out how much, how many calories are in them. And I have this <laughs> weird concoction right here. I was like, I'm going to go run with this and see how, how it works, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, cherry juice, apple juice, uh, just a few other things in it. And, um, and so I, I like that. And, um, uh, so I, in October I did the Moab 240. And so I was, I would have been one of those ultra runners cause I was eating a cheeseburger or two and at every mm-hmm. aid station and just chowing down then. And then, and then I would have, uh, Morton gels and some other things between the aid stations. And so it was, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, I like to, I mean, for especially ultra runners, I like there to be a, a, 
balance of both some real food mm-hmm. with some sports fuel, right? Because if yeah. you're going to do all real food, that just gets really bulky and it's mm-hmm. hard to carry all that on you. And yeah. and it also depends on the race too, like how much, how supported is it? You know, it's yeah. eight stations versus like a fully self-supported race too. So there's some variability there as well. So you have to be, yeah. there's, there's some strategy when it comes to yeah. those ultra yeah. races. And so, yeah, I like, doing both real food and some sports fuel because with the real food you're getting like different flavors different textures and when you're out there for hours and hours on end like you can only do so many gels or like drink so much tailwind before you're like i can't do this anymore and so like having like even a cup of noodles like salty Mm -hmm. like savory goodness right there you know so good at night when it's It's cold so (laughs) good at night to just like have that like warm comforting it's like a morale booster it is or like being strategic with caffeine too can be really helpful you know like those are those are like are you going to get just like drink some coffee or are you going to do like a caffeinated gel like just thinking through like what's going to be the best option for you and Mm -hmm. or like even if it's like some coke you know what i mean like like a coca-cola like yep. that stuff is like go-go juice right there yes. for you in the middle of the night um, to get you through. So, um, yeah, I like doing a blend of both some real food and sports fuel um, because then it just that flavor fatigue is less likely to to rear its ugly head, you know, in those later hours of the race. Yeah. Our listeners are probably tired of hearing me say it, but I, I was a big fan of Tailwind. Um uh, and I did the Tahoe 200 where that was kind of my base nutrition. Mm-hmm. And by the, by the middle end of it, I was, I could not drink tailwind anymore. And yeah, I, and, and, and it was a long time before I could do it again a little bit, you know, it just, I, I just couldn't, you know, uh, super yeah. palate fatigue. <laughs> yeah. And they do make like a, they call it their naked flavor. It's like an unflavored one. And I have some mm-hmm. people who are just really picky about flavors where I'm like, let's just do this. And then. Yeah. You yeah. know, or I've seen some people mix in like maple syrup into their, their bottle. You know, you said you had oh. add like juice or like that type of stuff, make your own little mix. Like yeah. even, and then sprinkling some salt in there too, just to get some, some sodium. Yeah. Like you can, you can make your own concoction of stuff. Um, it just, when you're out on the race course, you're not going to want to be taking the time to like mix anything up right. or like, you know, yeah. that type of thing. So um, the powder mix does work pretty clutch in those situations pretty convenient yeah 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 Uh, maple syrup was the other thing i added in my in that juice mix yes yeah it's great stuff oh well um so you mentioned you mentioned caffeine um that's a a, you know um some people try to race without it uh do you have your runners um try to because I drink, I'm drinking coffee right now. I drink a lot of coffee mm-hmm. in the mornings, but two weeks out from a race, I'll try to back off on the caffeine. Um, so that when I take it, I will, um, you know, I'm tapering anyway. And so I back off on the caffeine so that it'll have more of an effect when I get into the nighttime hours and I, I, I drink a Coke or a Starbucks Frappuccino, um, because mm-hmm. that's another rocket fuel. Um, and uh, <laughs> with the sugar and the caffeine, but, um, so do do you do you advise that? Is that a <laughs> So from what the research shows and because they've done a lot of research on mm-hmm. uh caffeine as a, you know, performance aid for endurance athletes and so they haven't really found that to necessarily be a benefit to like okay. taper before a race. Um but if you feel like it helps and you get that little extra buzz because you yeah. haven't had caffeine a week then I say go for it. And it, and that's the thing, like if you're a habitual, you know, caffeine 
drinker or whatever you take it, like your, your gut's going to be pretty well trained to take it, but like caffeine can be kind of acidic. So if you're someone that doesn't usually do a lot of caffeine and then you're going to do a lot during your race, I would maybe practice quite a bit with it in your training so that again, it's not going to cause any like bad side effects when you're, especially like if you're going to do like a Morton caffeinated gel, like that's a hundred milligrams of caffeine like that's a really heavy dose um versus like you could find other products that might have a little bit lower content um might be better for your stomach too um and then i saw even with um cis beta fuel they have like a nootropics gel and that one has 200 milligrams of caffeine that is a lot of caffeine for a gel yeah Um, and i would imagine it probably has a little bit of a bitter taste to it so that again just something you want to trial in advance um (laughs) so that you're not out on the race course and obviously like whoa this is not going so well yeah 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 nothing new on race day is you know we we forget that though (laughs) yeah it's a i mean it's a little different with with an ultra runner because um you do get to a point where your gut is just handles pretty much anything. Like a lot of ultra runners in my experience have a pretty iron gut. So you kind of get to the point where you're out on the race course and whatever they have at the aid stations, that sounds good is what you go for. And, and I'm for the most part, I get that like that, but as long as it's not something too wild, like I said, you know, if you don't ever have caffeine and then all of a sudden you have a whole bunch during a race, then that could be, not great. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, with caffeine too, I think being strategic, like Mm -hmm. you don't want to be taking large quantities throughout your whole long distance race because you, at some point that, um, could be really hard on the stomach. And also there is research that after a certain point, it doesn't really office offer any like additional performance benefit. So you want to be a little bit more strategic and like, yeah, you might have like your pre-race coffee that you always have in the morning, but then maybe save that caffeine for the nighttime hours when Mm -hmm. you're starting to get, you know, where you need to be a little bit more on point sharp cognitively. And so saving it for then and being a little more strategic. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, as we're, you know, kind of looking at the different things that you encounter with, with athletes and, um, you know, I have a kind of a list of things here. We've talked about some of them, but when you, I don't know, when you, when an athlete says, comes to you and says, you know, Alex, I, I, I need help. I'm, I'm training yeah. for this race. Um, kind of maybe explain to me what the process is. What do you do, uh, to start figuring out, you know, who this person is, what they've done before and, and what's going to work for them? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that I always ask is like, what are your goals? What do you want us to help you achieve? Because, yeah. and then I also ask like, how, what would you envision success for you later on the year? Tell me what would success look like for you? It, they might have body composition goals, which is totally fine. We like, but we want to know like, what is that goal? Right. Um, they might have races coming up. And so we might need to be re- realistic about the goals. It's like, yeah, okay. You want to lose 15 pounds, but your major race here is in four months, like probably not going to be very beneficial for us to focus on losing that weight during this time. Let's focus on fueling for performance. We might see some body composition improvements just as a byproduct. And then after that A race, then we can hone in on um, seeing that body composition change there. So um, I really like to hone in on what their priorities and goals are first and then helping kind of design a roadmap for nutrition to help them get there. Um, 
So they come into the program. We use an online uh, coaching platform. And the first thing we have them do is we have them take a food diary for a week. We do use some food journaling as an important part of our process, but it's not because they're ever going to feel like they're on a diet. It's more along the lines of a learning tool. So as they um, make their food choices, make some changes in their eating habits and food behaviors, they'll journal that and they'll see how that translates to the nutrition changes that they're seeing, like they're making for their body. And then that ultimately translates to how their performances are feeling in their training, how their daily energy levels are, how their hunger starts to get more regulated, um, how their body composition might start changing. And so it helps connect the dots is Mm, that's part of the process of like using a food journal. And eventually over time we want to wean them off the journal because the goal is to get them to graduate feeling very confident in making their food choices have a lot of clarity in how to fuel their body for their training and adjust as needed without having to journal for the rest of their life. So that's our end goal, right? Yeah. And so coming in, we have get a baseline food journal, and then that allows us to look at their goals, look at how they're fueling, calculate where we would want their nutrition needs to be, and start looking for gaps. Mm. Gotcha. And so going into that first call with them, we can talk through, okay, this is what we're seeing. This is where we're gradually going to work you to, but we got to do this in a way that works for your lifestyle, works for your schedule, works for your food preferences. Um, like I had a cyclist that came in the other day and he was like, I don't like any fruits and vegetables. I'm like, none. He's like, I don't, I've never liked fruit in my entire life. And he's like, there's like five vegetables I like. I'm like, okay, all right, let's, let's focus on those. You know what I mean? Like, like you can work with that, you know, I'm like, do you, can you do like fruit in like a smoothie? He's like, yeah, that's okay. I'm like, all right. All right. Okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, that funny. was just kind of like. That was interesting to me. So, yeah. I mean, everyone's like food preferences are a little different. If you have like an allergy or maybe you eat vegetarian plant-based, like we want to respect all of that, but we like, that's part of the puzzle for us. And so um, making kind of a to-do list of things that we want to work on with them, but we're not going to work on them all at the same time. We're going to start with the low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. What are some of the simplest, easiest changes we can start focusing on and then gradually progressively step-by-step getting them to where we need them to be nutritionally. So it's never overwhelming and complicated. So um, for some athletes, the biggest area that they need work on is their um, fueling around their training and workouts. And then ultimately Mm -hmm. putting together a race day strategy because they have a big maybe PR goal or they want to qualify for um, some big race. And so that might be the first priority. And then just focusing on kind of that day-to-day nutrition as important supporting their recovery, or maybe they have a pretty good base in terms of fueling around workouts, but the rest of the day is just a disaster for them and they have no clue how to eat. And so we're going to look at that day-to-day nutrition and start optimizing that and just chipping away and finding that kind of sweet spot for them with their schedule so that they feel feel good day in and day out. So that's kind of our strategy yeah. of really personalizing it to them um, and getting them to that point where they're ready to graduate and being able, being able to maintain things on their own. Do you find that most of the runners that, that you guys work with are runners or, or endurance athletes that yeah. their, their major problems are more uh, their day to day or, or during their race times, you know, their race fueling? Uh, I would say most, well, Sometimes both, to be honest. Um, But that day-to-day is really a challenge, you know, because like I said, my favorite people are the ones that work full-time jobs, their parents, like 
Um, they're training a lot and um, sometimes they just don't make eating a priority for them. And so yeah. by the end of the day, they're starving. So they find like once they're home and the kids are in bed, they're like, their appetite just is raging and they're eating, you know, everything that they can get their hands on in their kitchen. And they're like, and then they're going to bed so overly full and it's just yeah. this vicious, vicious cycle. And then they might see the scale go up and they start restricting and then they're like fighting this willpower. So I hear a lot of like very similar things from athletes. Um, and so, and I get kind of, it's just kind of goofy, but like when I have those first initial calls with them and they tell me what the problems are, I get almost like a little giddy because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to feel so great in just a few <laughs> weeks once we get a hold of you and can get some of this stuff like worked out. Um, yeah. And it, and it, because my favorite part is when they come back and they're like, I feel so much better. They're yeah. like, I have better energy during the day. I'm not like a zombie or feel like garbage after my long runs. Like that to me is my favorite thing to hear back from them because they're putting in like this work to change mm -hmm. their eating habits. They're being very intentional and they're starting to see the reward. And that's just like truly the best part of my job. So um, yeah, like we, we tend to see pretty similar things, but that day-to-day -day nutrition is pretty important. And I view it as recovery nutrition because mm -hmm. for, especially with like ultra runners, you guys run a lot. You run yeah. most days of the week. You're running long distances. You're putting in a lot of miles. So anytime that you're not running and you're eating, that is an opportunity for you to recover from your run and prep yourself for the next run. Yeah. And so, you know, that lunch you have, that dinner you have, those snacks you're having, all opportunities to support your body and recovering and getting ready for that next one. So you have to really hone in on that day-to-day -day stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think it's cool that, that people come to you and, and they're, they're focused on a lot of times they're, they're, they're racing and I, I want to feel better and, and to be able to race, but they end up feeling better all the way around when they nail the nutrition, yeah. you know, yeah. just, just that, better quality like of life. Yeah. yeah. You know, to me, my favorite win um, is when they're like, you know, I got done with my like 16 mile run and I cleaned my bathroom. I did a little work. I played with my kids and did some yard work. I feel so productive and I still have energy. And I'm like, that is the best win compared to yeah. any other PR or podium that an athlete might see. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I think, um, you know, one of the things that, um, I feel better when I'm, when I'm eating uh, healthier whole foods, uh, you know, the, the, the good stuff and not eating trash after, after Moab 240, um, for weeks after I was just hungry all the time and, and, <laughs> and I failed on eating the right things because I ate everything, you know, and, um, the, the, the weight went up the, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. And I still stayed active, but, uh, I am still digging out of the effects of, you know, yeah. after a big race like that. So that being said, you know, because we have, I have friends that they race all the time. They're doing a couple I know, of hundred. I have, I've <laughs> had some ultra runners that like, they don't have an off season. Cause I was like, whenever you're going to work on body comp, you don't have an off season. Like they're yeah. always in like shape for a 50 K. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. just wild to me. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, our 50 K this week, and then there's another hundred miler next week and there are 200, 200 milers in a month and stuff. And, you know, and I've, I've done some goofy stuff like that. And, um, but so it, I, 
I got to remember the importance of that recovery, that full, you know, mm-hmm. um, making sure. So like if you, if just this, you know, I know this is a generalization, but you, you have, uh, I have a hundred miler next weekend, just hypothetically. Yeah. And, and I, and I go in and I, I race, you know, what do you tell, what would you tell your client? Like, okay, here's what you need to focus on the, the, after the race, the day after the race, the week after the race, what are your, you know, kind of a broad stroke? What are your, what are your focus should be. Yeah. So, and that's the trouble about like, um, big races like that. Like you put so much effort and work into them. And then afterwards, you know, you've been training a certain way for so many months. Like what does, what does life look like after the race? You know, that's the first, my first question, because like, are you, do you have another race that you're still going to like continue training at a high volume or are you yeah. taking a break and right. you know, your training is going to decrease significantly? Cause like when I finished Ironman, Wisconsin in 2014, I remember like the couple weeks afterwards, I would like start plating my food and I'd be like, whoa, I actually don't need all of this. It's just for the past nine months, I've been loading up my plates. And so I had to be very like thoughtful and mindful about what I was doing. And I was like, I could see how athletes would just gain significant amount of weight after their race because you're just so used to eating, eating like at a high volume and a high frequency. Um, so my first question would be like, are we going into an off season? Do you have another race? Mm. So, um, but let me back up. You also need to make sure that you're putting in the prep work for your race. Like, are you doing a proper carb load? Because in my experience, when athletes do a really good carb load before a big, you know, 50 K like hundred K, you know, 200, whatever it is, if you're doing a really proper carb load, I find that athletes recover way better afterwards. Mm. Um, we don't see, um, as big of like, um, like a weight, you know, cause your weight tends to go up after a race just from inflammation, um, and that stress. Um, we find that that carb load really helps with recovery afterwards and just not seeing as massive of a, a weight fluctuation. Um, but yeah, you get done with your race. I mean, your first priorities are going to be hydration, replenishing electrolytes, and starting to re- reload those muscles and repairing, you know, muscles with some good quality protein. So, yeah. I think and and then too, your appetite's always a little funky those few days afterwards. Some people yeah. are starving all the time and some people yeah. might not have an appetite at all because again, their body's going through kind of this stress response. And so if you don't really have an appetite, then I would say you're going to have to focus on more intentional eating than intuitive eating, where even though your body's Mm. not hungry, you know that, oh, it's been like three, four hours since I've ate, I'm going to have my next meal here. It's not going to be like a massive amount of foods, but I know I'm going to try and get some carbs in some good quality protein, maybe some fruits and veggies to get some micronutrients in there. Mm. Um, Maybe having some salmon for that omega threes, which is really good for reducing inflammation, like just being very intentional about good quality food and um, not letting yourself get overly hungry. And then as you know, the days go on, like being mindful of your hunger is all of a sudden that hunger coming back with a vengeance. Okay. Let's really hone in on protein, especially earlier on in the day, because that can help regulate hunger 
staying up on the hydration, uh, just that consistent supply of nutrition throughout the day and day after day can be really helpful to supporting the body and recovering and bouncing back quickly. Mm. So if you're going into another race, you want to recover as fast as possible so you can get back into training and prepping for the next race. If you're going into an off season, that's where we're going to need to adjust probably carb intake. Well, doesn't need to be as significant as when you were in that high volume training. So cutting back on carbohydrates, um, to back to just like eating like a normal human. Um, (laughs) and then looking at, you know, portion size, you can just cut down on portion size, but still having those balanced meals. Maybe you don't need to snack as frequently. Um, and just kind of looking at those types of things to getting you kind of back down to more of a normal human diet, I guess yeah. is yeah. how I look at it versus the, the ultra endurance athlete diet. Yeah. yeah. There, there may be a post, uh, out there on the internet of, um, my wife and I, uh, post, uh, one of a hundred milers I did w- waking up at like really early in the morning and walking to the waffle house at our hotel. And I said, I think I said I was spending our life savings. So I was like, <laughs> I was just <laughs> Eating all the things. Um, I know they say running's a, an inexpensive sport, and I was like, I don't know if you've seen yes. our grocery bills and our sports yeah. fuel bills, but they're they're not. And then the, all the running shoes you go through, like it's not that cheap. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you can you can you can dish out some cash. I, I, I won't pan the camera to show my uh, my shoes right here on the shelf, yeah. but anyway, there's there's quite a few. Um, so you 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 know you talked about uh carb loading and and um you know to prepare for a race so let's talk a little bit about um metabo- metabolic efficiency mm-hmm. and um you know because especially in in the um in the ultra running world there's a lot of talk about we have certain athletes who who uh yeah i did uh i did kind of keto fat adapted for for years uh way back when and i i did pretty well with it now during a race i would i would fuel with you know, tailwind and, and all the, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, more of what I was eating before that was, was pretty, pretty keto. Uh, I call it keto paleo, just natural foods and, uh, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. but, um, but there are some that, I mean, they're really hardcore, some that are almost like carnivore and that are, that are, yeah. that are running, um, like that for the most part. But so, if I, give me, give me like the, the, the balance in that. So if I'm, if I'm just a regular athlete who does carb loading and all, how do I, you know, get my body for, for these long periods of time to, you know, uh, also burn fat, you know, besides, you know, glucose. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be perfectly honest. I'm not like, and those that follow me on, on social, like they'll, they'll know that I kind of make fun of like the, yeah. the keto fanatics. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and like, cause the research shows that it's the, the fat adaptation and the keto style diet for endurance athletes, it's not superior to fueling with carbs, you know, all the time. Um, I, I do find, I will say like, if you're going to do, you know, fat adaptation and a keto style diet as an ultra runner, that's probably the sport that it's going to benefit you the most. Cause you're not going to be, um, you know, sprinting to the end. Typically your, right. your pace is pretty consistent. You're at a lower zone effort. And so that's where that fat, adapta- fat adaptation style of fueling does tend to um, work a little bit better. If you're someone that maybe is like a more of a sprinter, like shorter distance, like marathoner, where you're going to want to like finish really strong and try and PR for like Boston. Yeah. That's, you're not going to have any like energy available to sprint to the finish because you, 
are going to be in that more anaerobic state. You're going to be using glucose as fuel and there's not going to be anything really there right. to, to have that strong kick. So I will say for the ultra running community, I can see where that is more of a trend. Mm-hmm. However, there are some other things like I'm, I'm like a very logical, like mind naturally. And so yeah. like eating the keto style is not always super easy, especially if you work full time in a job that travels and, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, you're going to conferences and social events and it's like really hard yeah. to eat that style. Or if you have kids at home, like not <laughs> yes. Not not the most challenging to try and cook yourself a separate meal, yeah. right? So, like, those logistics are really difficult. Um, <laughs> plus, there's also, like, the heart health aspect of it. You know, if you've got, you know, a strong history of, like, heart attack and stroke in your family and, like, that really high-fat, um, high-meat-protein diet does not really go well with like heart health too. So like there's a lot of different aspects where I look at it, you know, for like collectively, you know, in the human population alone, I'm just like, "Mm," you know, I could see where carbs would definitely be the, the easier um, route to go. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, if people want to do the metabolic adaptation route, yeah. Don't come to me. Um, <laughs> that's good. I'm not no, going to say I'll, like, yeah, so yeah. like, so like, but I'm not going to say like, it's the worst thing in the world for you to do as an ultra right. runner, because right. like that style of training and racing would actually like work well with that. Um, yeah. But like, as far as um, carb loading goes, you know, you're looking at consuming a very high volume of carbs. Um, low in protein, low, definitely low in fat, you know, in those days leading up to your race to really yeah. load up those glycogen levels in your muscles. Like that's the purpose of, of carb loading. Um, because yep. when we have fully loaded glycogen levels, like we do have a lot of like energy available to go at your ideal pace and maintain that pace for longer without fatiguing. And so right. Loading up those glycogen levels and then fueling adequately during your race to help spare that glycogen um, helps you just keep that really nice, consistent energy supply um, long term throughout yeah. your race. Um, and there was a study done, I think it was in Norway, um, where they found that even like partially depleted muscles, they started to see performance decrease in that. Like they didn't even have to be fully depleted that even mm. just partially people were starting to see their performance decline. And so as being able to spare that glycogen as much as much as possible, it really allows you to um, perform well consistently start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, so I think, um, I think over the course of, of, of uh, my life and my eating and training and all the racing that I've done, I think I've been either keto or not, I've been, uh, faltered on the side of more often than not on under fueling, like in my regular life, Mm -hmm. because I'm also trying to maintain the, the physique or the, you know, or whatever. And, um, that's hard. Do do you, do you find that trend? Like you have a lot of, when you look at what athletes are eating, that a lot of them are just, just aren't eating enough to fuel what they're trying to do all the time. Yeah. All the time they're under fueling. Um, I just had an athlete that started with me recently. He's a triathlete and um, he's like, I'm so hungry all the time. He goes, and I just feel like crap. He goes, I'm like borderline lethargic. Mm. He, and 
I'm like, I'm not surprised because I just reviewed all your stuff and you're about 700 calories short of yeah. your maintenance every single day. And he's like, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, you need, I was like, he's like, he'd been working on protein, which looked great. I'm like, your protein looks great. I was like, you don't, you're not getting enough carbs. Like I need to like double your carbs. So we need to start like working on that. And he's like, yeah. He's like, okay, yeah, I just haven't been able to give myself permission to eat more carbs. I'm like, you have permission for me. Like, please, <laughs> let's Here it like, is. Do it. <laughs> have a bagel, yeah. have an English muffin, something. Like, let's get yeah. some more carbs in you. Like, add some rice to this meal here where it's just yeah. a salad and salmon. And I'm like, you need to have some carbs um, because you are underfueled significantly. Or we see, you know, some athletes where they're pretty close to what they need calorie wise, but they're just not getting enough protein. And that's mm. where that hunger is kind of unregulated. They're not recovering really well. Um, they're not seeing like their performance improve. They're just kind of been plateaued in performance. It's like, yeah, let's optimize that recovery with getting plenty of protein mm. to, so that your muscles have something to work with to repair and rebuild. Yeah. So yeah, so- I definitely see a lot of, a lot of underfueling going on. Cause you just, you, when you surround yourself uh, with, uh, other adults that eat like normal and you are sitting there eating like twice to three times the volume. Like you get <laughs> yes. a little self-conscious or people like yeah. love to make comments like, Whoa, yeah. are you, are you hungry? Like, and so you have to just be comfortable being like, yeah, I train a lot. I run a lot. I need this as fuel. Yeah. Um, Cause not ever, not all of us hang out with, you know, our, our entire, you know, our family and friends are ultra runners. So, you know, that'd right. be a little different where, you yeah. know, massive everybody's, grocery bills all the time, but, <laughs> <everybody's picking> but <laughs> yeah. So, so you have to kind of understand like, no, I need this fuel or I need to eat more frequently to just get in enough to eat. Well, I think that's a, it's an important concept. Food as, as fuel, you know, think of it yes. as that way. Like I am, okay. I have this run coming up a Saturday long run coming up. So what am I doing? Friday, you know, Friday morning, what am I eating Friday to get me ready for even that long run uh, to prepare myself for it and thinking of that. And then afterwards, you know, do the long run fuel during it. And afterwards, okay, like you said, I need to replenish what I just spent and get myself ready for the another long run tomorrow, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know, you want to eat healthy, you want to eat like those whole foods, but it's, if you're going to eat like a very clean whole food diet, like you're not, you're likely not going to get enough calories in because mm, it's so, yeah. you have to have, you have to get, I mean, I, I can think of one athlete in particular, like I calculate his needs at like 3,200 calories a day. I'm like, if you yeah. do all clean whole foods, like you can't fit all that in in a, in, in, a, in a day, you know what I mean? You're going to have to eat all night long to try and get, and that's so much, fi- especially with I was gonna say like fiber. so much fiber. And so when they're like, oh, I'm really suffering from bloating and gas issues. I'm like, yeah, it's because you're eating like 80 grams of fiber a day and you only need 30, 35. So, I mean, that's, that's where it's like, okay, we have to put in some Process, more processed foods. You got to eat some just, trash. Yeah, like we have to have that balance in there. Like, yeah, let's have a pop yeah. tart and like <laughs> that's great <laughs> to get some more calories in without all of that yeah. fiber. So, like, that's where. Um, and then you're not feeling like you have to eat perfectly all the time too. When you're like, oh, I have to eat clean in order to be healthy. I'm like, no, we got to find a balance. Like, we got to get the veggies in there. Got to get some good nutrition, but we also mm. got to just get in more of the good, like the the fuel, um, yeah. so that you feel good day in and day out. Um, and y- you know, you mentioned about like wanting to look 
you know, lean and strong. Um, there's something about um, when I take an underfueled athlete and start optimizing their nutrition and they start eating more, that a lot of times we see them actually lose some mm, weight. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy. really kind of fun where they're like, I'm eating more than ever and the scale is going down. What What is this voodoo magic that you're doing? <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is what happens when you're starting to optimize that metabolism more. Like your body is less stressed. You're mm-hmm. not, um, you know, having that binge restriction, like vicious cycle that we see a lot of athletes mm. go through. Um, and so, yeah, like one of my um, ultra runners I had a few years ago, he was probably eating around 1900 to 2000 calories a day. And I calculated his needs about a thousand more than that. And so yeah. I'm like, we're going to gradually work your way up to eating, you know, 28, 29, 3000 calories a day. Mm. And as he gradually got there, he lost like, I think within two months, about 12 pounds, wow. uh, just eating <laughs> yeah. a thousand calories more a day at that point. Um, and he yeah. would, would do like, he did a workout when we first started and then he did the same exact workout and it was like a, a timed workout. So he ended up going like another mile and a half in that same. Wow. Yeah. And his heart rate was exactly the same. He's like, I'm just so much faster now. I'm like, yes, because your body actually has something to work with now. Um, it's crazy. And it wasn't necessarily the weight off of him. It was just the fact that he was fueled so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that and that's a huge thing. That's, it seems so counterintuitive, you know, when you yeah. first look at it, but your body is, 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 is hoarding fat because you're starving it. You know, it's trying to, yeah, you know, that stress hormone. Yeah. You got cortisol um, flying everywhere and you, yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's, what's, that's, what's really interesting to me because we've been pounded into our brains, like exercise more, eat less and you'll lose weight. And that doesn't always work with the endurance athlete life. So. Yeah. 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 Well, you, you, you talked about protein earlier and, uh, I did, I, I think I, it was on one of your Instagram posts. Um, is, is, um, I think that's one of the things is an, as an older athlete, I'll be uh, 50 this year. Um, protein uh, is, 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 is that one of the things that I need to, that we need to maximize and are there any others that we need to, you know, really focus on? Yeah. So I think you're talking about the master's athlete posts that I had published where I talked about. And, and oh, I, by the way, I Googled what the definition of a master's athlete was. And it was like 35 and up. And I That's was crazy. Like, what? As someone what who's I, almost 37, I was like, I'm already a master's athlete. <laughs> Welcome. I was very depressed. <laughs> She's offended over there. <laughs> like 35 and up what that's crazy I'm, like i feel like 35 is a prime age for yeah. like an endurance hat like that's where yeah, a right lot on. of um like runners and triathletes especially like the female athletes at least yeah. um they're like at their peak of performance like it's a really competitive age group so um <laughs> yeah so when you're in like those late 40s early 50s and even beyond um as we age we tend to gradually lose some muscle mass um mm-hmm. so there's a couple things that I think are really important. One is making sure you're strength training. Um, yeah. And even at 35, when you to become a master's athlete, you should be doing some sort of strength training to like yeah. just preserve, if not build some more lean muscle, because um, that is really going to help you stay you know, agile, staying um, strong in your sport as we get older. Um, and with that, if you can combine it with a good, adequate, consistent supply of protein throughout your day and and consistently, you know, throughout your weeks, um, that really helps optimize maintaining, if not 
building more muscle, lean muscle on you. And because muscle does require more calories to maintain than it does to maintain fat. And so it does help keep your metabolism up nice and high too. So, um, if you think about as we age, um, and gradually lose muscle mass and we're not optimizing that and our metabolism goes down lower, but we're still eating the same. That's where we start to see people like, oh, I'm starting to see like this weight come on just gradually over the years. The next thing you know, they have, you know, their midsection isn't uh, as lean as they wanted it to be. And so if you can focus on protein to really help with um, that lean muscle mass, I find that that can be very beneficial for as we age. And as we age too, we're finding that, um, our body doesn't use like, uh, it doesn't, um, absorb that protein and use it as efficiently as it does when we're younger. So you might actually need to be consuming a little bit more protein, um, than recommended just so that you can get all of that in. uh, do you, um, and I've heard it both ways, but uh, I heard it's, it's important to, to to space it out. You know, thirty grams of protein uh, multiple yeah. times, maybe throughout the day, because your body will just just you know not absorb all of it. Yeah, well, I think I mean I've st- we're starting to see actually some research come out that people were consuming like fifty, sixty grams at a time, and they they did find that okay there still was really good benefits from doing that. Yeah, um, but that's a lot to be yeah. consuming yeah, at once. And that's a lot on your gut too. So I feel like um, if you can have a breakfast where you're having 25 to 35 grams of protein in, that's awesome. Most people don't get that much at breakfast. And that's just a really good way to start out your morning already Mm -hmm. kind of ahead of the game. And then same thing with lunch, 25 to 30 grams, 25 to 30 grams at dinner like that then you're going to get a really decent amount throughout the day. And then you don't have to rely solely on snacks to try and like get yourself there. Like that consistent supply is really nice because your body's going to be continuously recovering after those runs, especially if you're like a, someone that runs in the morning, um, then you can get that continuous supply of protein to help with recovery. Um, and even if you're struggling maybe with some muscle soreness and you find you're not bouncing back from your workouts really well, you could do something like a protein shake in the evening before bed. And that really helps with recovery overnight too. Mm. That's a nice little hack that, um, even some of like, um, pro athletes will do, um, to just help with recovery. No, that's, 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 I like that. Um, because, uh, I like something sweet before bed. So why not a protein? Oh, shake? You know, I know. I, like- <laughs> I, know. That, well, I usually have mine in the morning just cause it's chaos with, you know, getting the kids out of yeah, yeah. the house. And so if I can make a sh- protein shake for in two minutes and drink it on, you know, parent drop off in the morning. Um, but the one I use, um, uh, I really like thorns, uh, chocolate whey protein and mm. they mix it with ice and some milk and it honest to god i'm not even exaggerating it tastes like a wendy's frosty <laughs> oh really i am not even exaggerating because <laughs> i had a i had an athlete of mine who was like that's a sneaky little trick that you just taught me he goes because yeah. it really does taste like a frosty i'm like uh-huh it's so good that's that's awesome because i well what i normally do my normal i get back from my long run and then i'll i'll like cook three eggs and then have a have a protein shake before i go to to work. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I, what I eat right after. And then I'll have some other things, you know, throughout the morning and, and lunch. But, but I think I probably not get into protein. So that, that night shake would, uh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm a fan of the, the evening protein shake for athletes. They're just, if they're struggling with recovery, um, and if there's someone that works out in the morning, I would probably pair that protein shake with some carbs too, just to, again, yeah. like 
start blowing up those glycogen levels that you go into that morning run feeling really good. Yeah. Good deal. Well, Alex, um, I mean, so much good information. You can probably <laughs> talk and uh, I'm, I'm sure people listening probably have 50 other questions that I haven't <laughs> asked, but, but how do people get in touch with you? I'll I tell you, uh, your, your, um, your Instagram's great. I love the stuff you're putting out there, your TikTok. And uh, how, how do people find you? Yeah. So it's at Alex Larson Nutrition on social channels. And then my website is at Alex Larson Nutrition.com. Um, definitely head to our blog. We have um, really put a ton of work into it over the past year with lots of different content. Nice. Um, especially on supplements, if you have questions about that. I mean, we got in women's health. And oh, so I meant to ask yeah. you both of those things. So I'm going to have to go read it now. <laughs> I know. You'll have to go and check it out. We've got some really, our blog is like, our, our goal, we're, my team and I were really competitive. We're like, our goal is to have like the best endurance nutrition blog on the internet. That's, so all, that's, a, that's cool. I like it. We're slowly checking away at, at the blog to have um, lots of really good stuff on there. Nice. Okay. I'm going to ask you a, a quick question before we close out. Uh, who, who are the more uh, hard-headed athletes to, that, that you have to, to coach and do nutrition on? Is it the guys or the girls, the men or the women? Mm. <laughs> You can do no comment. I don't want to get you in trouble. I don't want people to get mad at no, you. No, I don't. Okay, so this is going to be really funny, and I don't want to offend anyone, but like when we get – it depends on their profession. Oh. Um, I will say our male attorneys, if I get an attorney, I'm like, ooh, I don't know about you. Like they just like struggle. Like they're really hard. They just don't like to take advice. I don't know. Oh. Um, but I have a, my best friend's husband is an attorney, and I say, "Why are my worst clients attorneys?" He goes, "Oh yeah, that doesn't surprise me. He goes, <laughs> we, we don't take we don't take advice well." Like, okay. That's funny. Wait, I mean, not all of our attorneys have head struggles, but it's a higher percentage than other That's funny. professions. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I'll have all your contact information in the show notes. I thank you for, for jumping on, uh, the podcast, a lot of good information, you know, Hey people, you know, you want to run the long distances, you gotta, you gotta fuel, right? So if you need yeah, some help you with tell that, tell me how far you want to go and I will help you fuel for that. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, Alex. I know you got kids to go start chasing again. Yes, I know. I gotta go check on the baby here. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> thank you, all David. Right. All right. Take care.